Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at ElevatePod.com. In this guide, created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at ElevatePod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with Jerry Colonna today. And you are going to learn today about radical self-inquiry. You're going to learn about the most powerful question that you can ask yourself you're also going to learn about leading a life examined and instead of running away from fear, being driven and being living a life filled with inspiration and really being who you are. Because you know what, if you're listening to this podcast, you are or have a desire to be higher performing, right? You are a high performer who wants to be higher performing or you want to be high performing. One thing that you're going to learn today is that you are enough and you're going to see exactly why. You're also going to learn tips about how to lead that life examined. You're going to learn more about how my journey and your journey may relate and what part of the process you're on, how you can grow up as well. I want to encourage you to buckle up. This episode is amazing. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high performing real estate investors. Guess what? Today, is all about mind expansion. It's all about mindset and definitely about personal development and growing up. Today's episode is a game changer. I, this could change your life. I'm not even joking right now. I'm your host, Tyler Chester. I'm a professional real estate investor and high performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And thank you. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to Elevate Podcast. Wherever it is that you're listening, you're walking the dog, you're driving to the office, you're doing laundry, you're doing chores, you're hanging out, you're just having a good time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Elevate Podcast. I know your time is valuable. So I want to make sure that we provide tremendous value today for you. And I think we will. I think we're going to live up to that, uh, that bill today. I just want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, the fee for listening is to pay it forward. And guess what? We have had record months. We've just had record days, just continuing to grow by leaps and bounds. And I'm just so, so grateful for that. The only way that we can continue to offer massive value is if we continue to grow in that trajectory. And um, I just want to thank you. If you've already shared the podcast before, you are a reason why you are a part of this movement. And Elevate Nation is so strong and getting stronger. And I want to encourage you and invite you to share this episode today. That's the fee. It's just to share it with one person. Just go ahead and grab the link, send them in a text message, an email, share it on social media, send it in a Facebook message, whatever you need to do. Just go ahead and pay that fee. If you've already done that before, thank you. We just ask that you do that one more time. If this is your first time listening, welcome to Elevate. We're going to pour deeply into your cup today. Also, give us a rating, a review, and subscribe to Elevate Podcasts and wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. It's very important to us. If you follow, if you 
subscribe, you give us a rating. All of those things are super important. We read every single review and it's so important to our team to continue to propel us forward to work so hard uh, to bring massive value. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart. With all that said, let's dive in. I want to introduce you to Jerry Colonna, who is the CEO and co-founder of Reboot.io, an executive coaching and leadership development firm whose coaches and facilitators are committed to the notion that better humans make better leaders. For nearly 20 years, he has the knowledge gained as an investor, an executive, and a board member for more than 100 organizations to help entrepreneurs and others lead with humanity, resilience, and equanimity. Previous to his career as coach, he was a partner with the J.P. Morgan's partners, J.P. Morgan Partners, the private equity arm of J.P. Morgan Chase. He joined J.P.M.P. from Flatiron Partners, which he launched in 1996 with partner Fred Wilson. Flatiron became one of the most successful early stage investment programs in the New York City area. He now lives in Boulder, Colorado. Without further ado, please enjoy this awesome conversation with Jerry Colonna. Jerry Colonna, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You know what I meant to ask you, and and I meant to really emphasize this because uh, this is something that I've learned just from getting more familiar with you is, is truly, how are you? (laughs) <laughs> that's the right way to ask the question. No, I'm really good. Um, marveling at the weather today. It's uh, right now it's 51 degrees here in Longmont, Colorado. And this morning it was four. And I am still in shock at the change of weather. Um, I feel uh, in at Reboot, we use radial green check-in metaphors. So I'm in the green today. Uh, a little tired, but but in the green. Tired because I woke up very early. I woke up at four. So, so what does that? What does in the green mean? And what are the varying degrees there that you could describe yourself as? So red is I'm physically present, but that's about it. I'm you know really distracted. I'm exhausted. I've got this going on at home. I've got that going on in my work life. Yellow is. I'm sort of here, sort of not, or, you know, and green is I'm good to go. I'm totally present. Um, and then, you know, over the years that we have checked in like that, we start every meeting with a check-in. Every, uh, over the years, I've heard all these sorts of variations. I'm green with spots of black. I'm chartreuse with a couple of mauve, you know, so. Um, but the point of the the colors is to, Try to describe how you're doing without labeling it as good or bad. Um, you know, a red stoplight is not a bad stoplight. It's just a red stoplight. Um, you know, and our goal isn't to get to green. Our goal is to just acknowledge how are we doing. Mm-hmm. And I really like... Um you know, your exploration of not only yourself, but also the observation of that equanimity and not labeling certain emotions and feelings. I think that's really powerful and valuable. And I know we'll dive into that conversation, that as a part of our conversation today. But one of the things that I wanted to play with you on, if you're open for it, is is for you to even take a, another step out and observe yourself and maybe even share that exploration with us as a part of the beginning of this conversation. And the way that I'd like to do that is if you are open to it, if you were to describe yourself in the way that other people would describe you or the people that really know you best and deepest and truest, how would they describe you, Jerry? What would they say about you? 
Well, what comes to mind is uh, uh, my three children, Sam, Emma, and Michael. Sam is 31, Emma is 29, and Michael's going to be 25 in a couple of months. Um, and they would be mocking me. Uh, they would be uh, uh, they would be wincing right now if they heard me talking about them in this way. Um, I think that I think that uh, my life partner Allie would say that uh, I don't always protect my boundaries. Um, I too often say yes um, and aren't and don't often uh, enough take care of my own energy uh, in that regard. And, um, you know, my siblings would probably say similar things and, and, and that would include things like, uh, uh, you know, he's always, uh, focused on taking care of other people. Um, and that's both a positive and negative. So that's just how it is. That's how I'm wired. And is that an is that an accurate observation, or would you say that that's more of a, a belief that they might have of you just by their observation, or what would you say about that? I mean, do you feel that that's truly been the case in your life, and that's a behavior that you have? I think it's occasionally a behavior I have. I think I am very very aware of when I say no. Um, so I think that that is uh, something that I am. Uh, it's part of the aspects of me. You, you, you read my book, right? And so in my book, the, if you really want to understand my, me, go to the chapter nine and read the anecdote that I share about seeing this toppled over oak tree and relating to that oak tree. Because that's how I see myself. And, and the, the most important descriptor there is that um, the oak tree uh, was gnarled and twisted by actions taken and actions not taken. Um, things that I regret and things about which I am proud. Um, and so in that way, that, that is how I hope to pass my days, kind of decomposing into the soil, acknowledging both my strengths and weaknesses, the ways I lived into my values and the ways I did not live into my values. Um, and regardless, coming away with the belief system that like that oak tree, I was essentially a good man. In the book, of course, that you're referring to for the listeners is Reboot Leadership and the Art of Growing Up, which is absolutely a phenomenal read. And it's, uh, I would imagine, a culmination of so much uh, self-introspection that you've had over the years and so much work that you've done, but also so much of the experiences that you've had, so much of the the emotional roller coaster that we call life. And of course, entrepreneurship and investing that you know has culminated into such wisdom. 
And so I do want to dive into a lot of your wisdom uh, from that book and from your work over the years today. But for the listeners who are not familiar with you, Jerry, if you were to kind of go back and look back a little bit and kind of describe a little bit about your journey and how you arrived to that point to be able to share that type of wisdom, give us a little synopsis there, uh, you know, from sort of the early years of obviously uh, your professional life to that trajectory. I think it's a really interesting trajectory and I'm sure we could spend hours doing that. But if you were to just give the executive summary, so to speak, Jerry, what would that look like? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and here's why. Um, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> Fair enough. I really hate it. And um, I think that I'm sitting here and, you know, I was being, uh, I was doing what you were asking me to do and I was responding to the questions and can I, can I, I'm going to do what I do. I am just fascinated as to why you think that's interesting. Tell me why that's interesting to you. And then I think I, we can have a conversation about it. I love it. Well, and the reason why I think it's interesting, um, and this is so great, thank you for that, um, mm -hmm. is because I want people to be able to connect to you personally. And I think sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we have a tendency as as people that are interested in high performance or, um, you know, taking our life and our business to the next level to understand tactics and strategies and application and tips and tools and all these things. When I feel that those things are certainly important, but the way that we really integrate that wisdom is by truly understanding story and understanding human beings and how they have applied that and overcome challenges in their own life and uh, overcome their own sort of, um, you know, in some ways, tragedies in their own, you know, background. And so that's why I find it to be fascinating and, and why I wanted to kind of gain more of a perspective or for you to be able to help people connect to your perspective. Because I think we learn so much through story. And I think we make sense of our own journey through story. So that's, that's really why I find it to be interesting. But I, I really appreciate that you turned it around that way and, and asked me because it's, it's a good exploration for me to really understand, hey, well, why would I ask something like that? Well, thank you. That actually helps me a lot. And it helps me sort of, it helps ground me. And, and, and I don't like to be the sage on the stage. I don't, I, it, uh, it puts me at a distance from people. And that's not where my heart is. That's not who I am. Um, and I agree with you that understanding our own stories, understanding the stories of the people that we want to engage with is absolutely essential. And understanding the, the, the components of their character structure that help define who they are gives weight and gravitas to whatever pearls of wisdom they may drop here and there. Um, I, I will confess that I get a little squeamish when I hear the phrase high performance. And I know that that's a big part of what Elevate is about. And I'll say that um, it's the same squeamishness I feel when I walk through back in the pre-pandemic days when I used to walk through a bookstore and I'd hang out at the self-help section 
and the squeamishness stems from the fact that I think that underlying a lot of the obsession about making ourselves better is the fundamental belief that there's something wrong with us. And while there's always room to grow, there's nothing wrong with you. That simple insight liberated me from decades of questioning my own self-worth. You do not have to be broken in order to grow. The places where you are broken may need tending to, but you yourself do not have to be broken in order to grow. And that's not something that I just learned by listening to some great teachers. And I have had some amazing teachers. And whatever wisdom you you want to project onto me is actually their wisdom. I'm just clever at how I say things. That wisdom came from lived experiences. From trying to liberate myself from the anxiety-producing, depression-producing, constant belief that I'm not good enough. And if we leave this conversation with anything, but nothing but this, let that one go. Yeah, that's important. And um, it's, it really is interesting when you dive down to it. A lot of times people who are striving or, you know, maybe ambitious, maybe people would describe them as ambitious, or maybe they would even describe them as, themselves as ambitious, which I would imagine are many of the listeners uh, who are tuning into this podcast, people who want to, you know, theoretically take their life to the next level, so to speak. You know, if you dig deep to it, uh, the question is, hey, well, is there something that they're trying to heal? You know, maybe subconsciously, maybe there's something that they don't feel like they are good enough. And I think you're speaking to something that's um, very deep uh, to many of the listeners that they may not even be aware of and perhaps maybe bringing some uh, uncomfortable feelings to just by listening to this conversation, which obviously can be very well, how valuable. How is it for you? How is it for you? Forget about the listeners for a moment. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's interesting because as I've really gotten more and more familiar with you, I have thought about that. You know, I've thought about, hey, well, is there something that, you know, I'm trying to heal or something that I'm trying to prove to myself um, by striving, by, by, by growing? And my hope is, is that perhaps my, at, at one point in time, uh, I've been trying to become something that, you know, going away from fear or trying to run away from fear, um, but has shifted to more so driven by a vision of inspiration. My hope is that I'm kind of making that transition. You know, I think it's it's almost a, a daily practice that we have to toe that line and look in the face of fear and say, hey, am I making this decision out of fear? Or am I making this decision out of inspiration and hope? Um, and I think it's something that I have to, you know, struggle with on a daily basis. Does that resonate with you, Jerry? Yes. Um, it feels like we're getting closer to something that's really powerful. Um, when you find yourself striving and you try on yourself trying to be the best that you can be, 
What is it that you're afraid of? It's a good question. Um, I don't know if I'm completely sure. I would say, you know, one of the things that I, I, I find myself um, always striving for is giving myself more options, right? Because I feel that optionality, you know, puts us in a position of independence. And, you know, in times of challenge, you still have some sort of option, right? Whether it's financially, whether it's uh, in a relationship, you know, business or otherwise, um, because of the unpredictability of the world, right? And, you know, economics or otherwise. So let me reflect back what I'm hearing. Okay. And you tell me if this has any connection. Striving creates options for you. And in a world that feels really uncertain, the lack of un options is, finish the sentence. The lack of options is dangerous. Dangerous. All right, let's acknowledge that. So you as a little kid just popped into my head. And uh, I had this image come in of you kind of with your back in a corner, unable to get out. Um, does that image resonate at all with you? It does. And it, it seems like more of a metaphor. I mean, I haven't had any physical, um, mm -hmm. times where I've physically been backed into a corner, but yeah, that, that definitely resonates from a, from a metaphorical standpoint. And, you know, I almost observe myself when I'm in that position, or if I were to be in that position to resort to anything that I needed to do to get out of that position, whether it's tenacity, I'll violence, do I I'll right. do whatever needs to be done. Right. Not to be trapped. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So what we may be looking at is the roots of your superpower. Because you have built a career around creating optionality for yourself and others. You started by talking about wanting to be of service. What I'm hearing is the way you want to be in service. Tell me if this has, you know, depth for you or, or lands for you. In an ideal world, the people who are listening to this podcast would find themselves with more options. And they might be more financial options, which might feel like more emotional options, which might feel more like love, safety, and belonging, to quote from my book, right? And so that's you doing good in the world. But where it might trip you up is uh, what happens if nobody listens to this podcast ever? What happens for you? right there that smile what happens for you it is interesting i mean i've thought about that and and i i i do think about hey well what if i'm not actually giving this to anyone but myself what happens answer answer that what happens you know i always i this is something that i've had to train myself to do over the years is always find the gift in anything that i would initially feel as negative 
And the gift would be, hey, I get to have a conversation with an amazing individual like Jerry, somebody who's collected okay. years or years of wisdom. So that's just one example. So, so I appreciate that because what you just did was you brought your prefrontal cortex online to answer the fear that was coming out of the amygdala that I was agitating. What if I'm trying so hard and nobody gets this thing that I'm trying to give them. Nobody gets me, nobody gets this. And then what ends up happening is there's a, uh, well, you tell me, there can be a sense of loss. There can be a sense of worthlessness. What was this all for? Does this resonate? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that would be, would be a sense of loss. Um, because when I think of optionality, it's like, well, I've lost, I would, in that circumstance, I will have lost the time, energy, and effort that would have created optionality if it were expended in a different direction, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. It does. Okay. So the superpower aspect of it, the positive aspect of this is it drives you to create magic in the world. Beautiful conversations that touch people's lives that are meaningful. The negative is it could produce its own set of anxiety. It could feed its own sense of, well, this sucks, right? And, and now I'll let you off the hot seat. If we sort of take a step back and we strive to go forward to either improve the performance in our lives, to live into our wishes and dreams, not from a place of denying the fear and not from a place of false positive, but fully integrating both sets of energies. We get to go into that with a wholeness that serves us well. So, you know, why do I, in my book, talk about um, my mentally ill mother or my alcoholic father or my battles with depression or my suicide attempt? Why, why, why do I talk about those things? Because to deny those things would give them greater power over my life than they deserve. Because I strive every day not to be better, but to show up fully, wholly, without bullshit, so that I'm here. So, which is why when you say, tell me about your track record, or tell me about your life story, or tell me about your trajectory, I get really freaking uncomfortable. Because the thing I care about is I want to be fully present to the good, but also to the bad of my life and your life. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's given you the opportunity of, of unlocking who you truly are rather than just running away from things that make you feel uncomfortable by just being comfortable being who you are rather than labeling, hey, I got better today or I got better this year or I did better. It's just living in that and recognizing that that is what you're meant to be? 
Yeah, the only thing I might alter is I'm not so sure about unlocking it. You know, it's it's it kind of goes like this. Uh, I'll tell a quick story. I was at a a public forum, public talk I was doing with my friend Brad Feld, and we were talking about depression and entrepreneurship. This this is what the topic was. And uh, before going on stage, everybody was lining up to get lemonade or something like that. And I'm online to get lemonade. And and, uh, I decide I'm going to play around with the guy in front of me. So I said to him, uh, hey, I hear this Jerry Colonna guy is a real sleepyhead, you know, or something like that. And so he looks and I have a name tag on. And he says, oh, you're Jerry Colonna. I said, yep, that's me. And then he pauses and he says, you sound like, just like him. I said, just like who? He says, the guy on the podcast. I said, well, that's because I am the guy on the podcast. Right. And in a sense, he gave me the best compliment somebody could give me, which is you are you no matter where you are. No matter the circumstance, no matter. And the more I can do that, like, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I don't make a list of this year I'm going to learn Portuguese. What I try to do in every interaction, and I managed to do it even with us, was to drop us out of this sort of heady performative state into just like two human beings hanging out together being real. Because it it's just so much more fun <laughs> and it's so relaxing and it's, it's enlivening. And, and, you know, if I could say anything to you, to, to the folks who are listening to this, try spending the whole weekend just being you and not thinking about what people think of you. and trying to live into that, right? It's liberating. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line. 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Well, and it's, you know, it's so interesting because I'm, I've become so passionate about personal growth, personal development, but I, I love the way that you really describe it. And it's really growing up at the end of the day, it's growing up and it's confronting those, the various aspects of ourselves that have held us back from realizing who we truly are or realizing our full potential, which I think is, I feel like it's, it's a gift that's given to us that we have to just continue to uncover. It's almost like we're archeologists, like we're, we're continuing to dig a little bit deeper, but it's, it's already within us. Would you agree to that? Yes. And I like that imagery of, of archeology span in part because there's a discovery aspect to it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, like, I'll tell you a story, okay? In the last few months, I have been obsessed with this BBC show that's now on Netflix that for years ran on PBS, but I never saw it called Call the Midwife. It's this therapy, sappy, formulaic show that is now, I mean, I think we're in season nine. And I just am obsessed with the show. And every night I'm like watching this show and watching this show. And all right. So the other night um, I was talking to one of my sisters, my sister, Nikki, and she's going to visit Allie and I, and, and I was just so happy to think about my sister coming to visit. She's one of three and I love all my siblings, but, and then I had this memory of this teacher that uh, she had, who, when I was born, my sister's older than me, when I was born, she gave my sister a hand crocheted blanket for me. Okay. So that's the setup. The next morning, I was journaling as I do every morning. I wake very early around four or five o'clock and I journal, I meditate, I exercise. And I was journaling and I was writing about this memory. Okay. And all of a sudden I time traveled. I was transported all the way back to the Brooklyn of my youth, to St. Jerome's Roman Catholic Church, St. Jerome's Parish. And I realized that the location in the fictional Call the Midwife story reminds me of that parish that I grew up in when I was a kid, where the nuns and the teachers were all like integrated into the community. And I had this wonderful discovery and realized that that's an important part of who I am. Now, dude, I'm 58 years old. I didn't know that about myself. And now, the two or three nights now since I've since I had that revelation, I've been watching the show with even more delight. Now, there's no big dark demon in there. There's no big oh, this is why I'm hyper vigilant or any of the other things. But it's a good it's a good example of like. No, who am I really? Because if I connect with who I am really and then show up in the conversation with that, well, boy, howdy, we all get to be real. And so if I, if I bring it back to my initial intention for our conversation, as I shared with you before we started um, recording, it was to serve, right? To, to bring value to others. And, and it, what I think you're describing here in this, this story is, is leading that life examined. And it's interesting because you observed this and it was so disconnected from early in life to your enjoyment of the show now. And so there's this like excitement and happiness of that connection. And there may be a clue there. It may not be overly profound in all of these different ways, but I think what you're describing is one tiny little example. And you've, I'm sure you've seen these, these correlations in other ways as well. But if you were to give other you know, folks advice to live that life, of an examined life, how might they do that? You, you mentioned journaling, you mentioned meditating. Maybe those are a couple of tips and tactics that you might suggest. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think it's really, it's really key. I mean, one of my 
suppositions as a coach is that better humans make better leaders. Okay, so what does that mean? I describe being a better human as being fully grown up, but it also means being fully conscious or as conscious as you can be of who you are and why you do the things you do. So that little exercise that I just described in that story of connecting, why am I watching this show so much? And then having the memory of the blanket that Mrs. Pennington gave to my sister when I was born and putting that whole experience together helped answer a question that I was holding about myself, which is why am I doing what I'm doing? Now take it out of that context for a moment. Let's drop into being a leader who has power within an organization. Or one of my famous questions, how have I been complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? Let's even just look at that. You might have a listener who says, I really want to build up some wealth. It's a really important thing. Well, unless you actually understand the roots of money and what it means to your psyche, you may find yourself repeatedly failing to achieve the objective that you say you want. Because you might have a belief system that goes back not just to your childhood, but your parents' childhood, or even their parents' childhood, that says, us, we don't deserve any money. We are poor. So therefore, we're going to be poor for the rest of our lives. And, you know, in the pantheon of needs that we have, love, safety, and belonging, for me to reject the family lineage of I don't deserve, fill in the blank, wealth, happiness, love. If I were to reject those things, I would be, it would be tantamount to rejecting my ancestors. And nothing is more dangerous than to be thrust out of the family. And that's what that rejection would do. Now, that's a complicated explication of what I started to tell about Call the Midwife, that show. That's a little example of the kind of weaving back into, why does that upset me? Why do I get angry over here? Why do I repeatedly date the same kind of person? Why do I constantly create this condition in my life? Mm-hmm. Only to find myself suffering again. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had an experience. I read a book called "The Big Leap" uh, by Gay Hendricks, which is a it's a great read and one that was. Uh, uh, oh my gosh! Great. Yeah, I mean, great is is the probably the worst way to describe that book, but it's one that I just recommend. So many people dive into really understand identity and and. Uh, how deep that goes. But one of the um, realizations that I learned about myself was that uh, I found that the greater, you know, quote unquote, success that I had uh, achieved or, or was striving to achieve, in some sense, deep down, I never realized this until I read the book, was that I felt like I was actually abandoning my family or my, you know, you who I who I grew up with, um, by doing that. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So then I realized that. And I realized that 
obviously that was a belief that I, in a story that I was telling myself under the surface, but I just found that to be so unbelievably insightful and uh, very, very profound. Does that resonate with you? Jay? Yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it, uh, gets to, it, it, it gets to the heart of why people might sabotage their own efforts it gets to the heart of why people might participate in impeding their attainment of any goal that they have. Um, and, and what I love about your story there is to realize that you are not wholly responsible for the setup there. In my book, I refer to it as a subroutine. It's a layer of programming that just operates at the machine level. Those subroutines were laid down when you were like four years old. And your job is to make them conscious so that you don't have to obey them anymore. You may still choose to obey it, but the, but the consciousness required to choose is an aspect of adulthood. It's an aspect of that growth. So right now, you can choose to be close to your family, but you don't have to be close to your family in their pattern in that way. Mm -hmm. And the you know the belief of hey, am I truly abandoning them by doing that? That's a, it's an interesting question to observe and really dive That's into right. and, and understand, well, where does that feeling and emotion come from? Because ultimately it's all, it's all about emotions. And, um, I think just this radical self inquiry to me, it's exciting and it's ultimately the path towards leading a better life, a more fulfilled life. But I want to, I do want to go back to your, your famous question. How am I being, how am I complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? Where did that question originate from? And, and uh, give me a sense of the history there. So uh, it's, a, it, it's a question that in some ways summarizes uh, the work I did with my psychoanalyst for 28 years, uh, Dr. Sayers, whom I write about in the book. Uh, uh, and along with my children, I dedicated the book to her. Um, she passed about six months before the book was uh, published um, at 93 years old. So she had a good, full, rich life. And so much of my own growing up is exemplified in that one question is, or is, or, or is encapsulated in that one question. It's, um, and it's very, very important to look at that question appropriately, which is, I always say complicit, not responsible, and the conditions that I say I don't want, not the conditions of my life. Too many people, the, 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 that question is all over the internet right now, and most of the time I get credit for it, so yay. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, too often it's reformulated into how am I responsible for the conditions of my life? And that's a heat-seeking missile of guilt. I don't like that. Um, I like the way I framed it 
because as Dr. Sayers taught me, there are a lot of things that are responsible for the conditions of our life. Um, you are not responsible for having been food insecure as a child. You are not responsible for having been abused as a kid. You're not responsible for, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody else's abusive behavior. But you can be complicit in maintaining an abusive relationship. And if you say you don't want to be in that relationship, but you repeatedly go back into that relationship, well, that, that's a really curious statement. And by the way, it's curious. It's not finger pointing. Right. And so a corollary question I might ask in a coaching situation would be, how does that relationship serve you? What need do you have as being met in that relationship? Right. So I might maintain a relationship that is abusive because the fear of being alone is so great. Because I watch mom or I watch dad struggle with being alone. And I swore as a child I would never have that experience. So I will sacrifice love and safety in order to have a sense of belonging. It's really helpful for you to really unpack that question, that powerful question. And it's interesting, you know, as you were describing it in the beginning, it's like, well, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, well, what could the difference in responsible and complicit really be? Um, but you, you just helped me understand that. And, and it almost... And you could tell me if I'm wrong here, but I almost visualize it as, you know, aiding and abetting. It, 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 that's it. That, that, that's right. Remember, the, the word complicit is related to the word accomplice. And the accomplice in the bank job drives the getaway car. They're not the one who sticks the gun through the teller's cage and says, fill the bag up. Right. You're aiding and abetting a situation. You didn't necessarily create the situation. Now, some people do create those situations, but I think the vast majority of us do not create the negative conditions of our lives. The world is really tough. It's a tough place. But the, the curious question is, what would, I, what would I have to give up that I love about my current conditions? for me to have the world I say I don't want, right? I don't, I say repeatedly, I don't like to be busy. Yet being busy makes me feel important. I love feeling important. I'm not gonna give up that feeling, right? So we human beings are complicated. We have multiple contradictory feelings all over the place. And that's just a perfect example of understanding what a psych psychologist would say is the secondary benefit, the hidden benefit of a particular situation that we have. Huh. Go ahead. <laughs> no, this is good. I mean, I, I just think about um, that question and just a powerful question such as, that type of question, it puts us in the world of possibilities to explore and understand a little bit more about what may be the story behind the story. 
and Mm -hmm. why may we be behaving in that type of capacity? And as we do that, we start to, you know, uncover more and we start to get more curious and we start to ask more questions. I mean, I guess when you think about that question or other powerful questions, are these tools that you, I know obviously you've used them with many of your, your clients as a coach um, and putting them in the worlds of possibilities to be infinitely resourceful, to design their behavior, to create new conditions in their life. But I guess, would you suggest for folks to ask these questions to themselves or that, that question specifically to themselves when they are experiencing a little bit of anxiety or disappointment in their circumstances or what might you suggest for, for folks? I think that, you know, you use the term that I coined uh, before radical self-inquiry. I think that the tool of that kind of inquiry processing inquiring within can be very, very helpful in unpacking what's really going on. Why am I feeling anxious right now? So curious question that goes along with that is what's the threat? Why have I lost my temper? That's a good question. Usually we lose our temper when we actually feel threatened. What felt so threatening about that situation? I'm at a Starbucks. The person in front of me is taking forever. I'm going to be late to the meeting. I lose my cool. I'm having this miserable experience. What the heck is going on? Well, last week, my boss told me that if I was late to another meeting, I could get fired. Oh, now we've got the existential threat going on. Well, are you really going to get fired? Yes. All right. Leave the Starbucks line. Get back to the office. (laughs) are you really going to get fired? No, I'm not. Uh, You know what? Let me bring a cookie to my boss so that they don't get mad at me for being late. You see what I'm doing? I'm kind of normalizing the process of it's not like, oh, chin in the hand, the thinker figuring out what is it? It's like, what's going on here? Why? Like, why? Did I just lose my cool? It's what like Marcus Aurelius said, you know, in between stimulus and response, there's space. But to your point, that's the practicality. It's like, okay, all right, am I freaking out from a practical reason or is there something deeper here that I need to explore further, right? That's right. That's right. And I was going to tell a quick story. You know, one time my daughter, Emma, is 29 and when she was about 13, 14 years old, um, the kids had a rule. Uh, on Friday afternoons, they could go out and see their friends after school, but they had to check in by six o'clock. So at least we knew where they were and what was going on for dinner. So six o'clock rolled around and there was no Emma. 6.15, I'm getting angry. Like, where is she? Okay. So finally I reached my older son on his cell phone and I said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but find your sister. Because we lived in a small town and the teenage network was just all over. So five minutes later, I get a phone call from my daughter. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad, Dad, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, where are you? I'm at Maria's house. Your ass is grass. I say to her. Okay. I get in the car. I am steaming. I'm driving over to Maria's house. I stop at a red light. And all of a sudden I say to myself, what the hell am I so angry about? 
And then it hits me. I was scared. I was ready to bear with all of that anger. When the truth is, I was scared that my little girl was hurt. So by the time I get to Maria's house, poor Emma runs out. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm like, I'm crying at this point. And I said, honey, I'm sorry I was so angry. You scared the daylights out of me. Please don't ever do that again. She never did it again. See, the value of that red light, that stop, was I got to connect with the real feeling, not the surface level feeling, which was actually a protection against the real feeling, which was fear. And instead of it being a horrible experience of me yelling at my daughter and we had a fight and I hate you, slam doors, you know, all that. It became a moment of connection where she realized how much I loved her. That's amazing. That's amazing. That, that's, that's the example of growing up. I mean, that, that's what growing up is. It's taking a deep breath. That's amazing. You know, Jerry, one of the things I wanted to uh, speak to you uh, before we wrap the conversation, before we go in our, our rapid fire section of the podcast, um, I, I, I wanted to speak to this because it's, it's on your website and it's an amazing quote and it's very deep and, and thoughtful, but I wanted to, to get your thinking behind it. And the quote says, the best way to overcome the inevitable loneliness of life at the top may be to connect and mindfully attend to the process that's already underway, the unconscious sharing that under, undergirds every relationship. Could you speak to that a little bit? Well, there's two components there. And one is the recognition that um, uh, a common notion, uh, which is that those who hold power often feel in isolation and feel uniquely responsible for everything good and everything bad. And um, in a sense, just like I did with that story about uh, my daughter, to connect with what's really going on underneath the surface creates the opportunity for an empathetic connection with the people with whom we spend our days so that they know who we are and what we're doing. You know, at the top of the call, the top of the hour, uh, you asked me how you're doing, and I, and I gave you a little primer on red, yellow, green check-ins. And that's an example of what's going on, right? Imagine the person who holds power starts off the meeting with, you know, I'm not feeling very good. I had a really lousy weekend. My mother's got COVID. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. So if I'm a little distracted today, it has nothing to do with you. Everybody in the room can take a breath. They no longer have to feel on their, you know, uh, walking on pins and needles and trying to figure out what, you know, walking on eggshells. Am I doing this? No, no, no. Oh, that person upon whom I project all sorts of things, you're human, just like me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It, it just, it kind of goes back to just making a conscious choice to turn inward. And what the, the example that you just shared there, I feel like is you, it's turning inward and truly 
being one with the feelings and the emotions of your circumstances and actually sharing that and allowing people to connect with that vulnerability, which a lot of times leaders and people that want to seem powerful or want to seem, you know, match the description that maybe people describe them of, or perhaps it's the, the description that they want to be continually described as, um, they don't want to be empathetic or they don't want to be vulnerable towards how they're actually feeling. So they mask that. And I just think that that's powerful. And um, is there anything that you would add to that before we transition to the rapid fire section, Deary? Yeah. Uh, if you notice, I tend not to use the word vulnerable because I think it reinforces a stereotype that I don't think is helpful. Um, it's unfortunate because the word vulnerable has been co-opted to mean weakness. Right? If I say this, wor- this wall is vulnerable, it means I can punch it and put my fist through it. Right. Uh, So the word I like to insert is honest, real. Right. So if I say to a leader, if I say to a CEO whom I'm coaching, be vulnerable, they're going to have one reaction. But if I said to them, be real, it's challenging, but it's a different reaction. So that's the only thing that I would add to that. Well, words are powerful and that resonates with me deeply uh, because you do think about vulnerable and you describe a wall or a building. It's like, well, this is vulnerable. That's not a good thing. Uh, Honest and real. I could see how that be uh, that could be much more accepted. Uh, Jerry, this is amazing uh, and I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you helping us all look within deeper and grow up ourselves because this is a this is a practice and a journey that we'll all continually be on. Uh, for the rest of our lives. And that's exciting. And um, it can be scary at times, but I think that's the path that we're all called to. So Jerry, I want to transition to the rapid fire section of the podcast. It's called the rare air questionnaire. I think looking within and being empathetic towards yourself and others is rare. Um, But I think rare is good, right? So I want to ask you a few questions before we wrap today, just briefly. Uh, If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years for your own growth, what would those be and why? Uh, Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer, Um, uh, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron, and Faith by uh, Sharon Salzberg. I write about those three books in my book. Those three books in particular read on the same two-week trip that I did uh, altered the trajectory of my life. Uh, Let Your Life Speak was a uh, among other things, a permit in showing up and being real, because that's what Parker does in that book. Uh, Sharon, too, was real and honest. Faith, as she says, is was the most difficult book she's written, and I think she's written about 15 now. And Pema Trodin's When Things Fall Apart is a book that I return to time and time again for teachings about how do you handle pandemic? How do you handle losing a job? How do you handle losing a loved one? Um, So those are three books that I always, always go to. Thank you. And uh, we'll put links in the show notes. This is where the listeners can find those books as where, as well as yours, Jerry, uh, Reboot. And we mentioned that uh, earlier in the podcast. So I'm excited to share that with the listeners so they can look within, so they can learn more about their own emotions, about their own journey, about who they really are. And uh, Jerry, if you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, what would you say about that? Um, I think that the, the daily practice I have of waking early and journaling and uh, sitting meditation and exercise, I think that's a foundation for my life. And 
whatever goodness a day has in it typically stems from having found the ground that comes from that. That resonates with me deeply. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Jerry? Be present. Listen. You know, try to show up and just be myself. It's not that hard. Jerry, I want to acknowledge you, man. Uh, You are giving to so many people. You're giving to people who in some ways, maybe running themselves ragged uh, for reasons that they are not aware of. And I feel like you are helping them and helping so many people bring back their attention to the fact that they are not broken. They are okay. We are all okay. And even if we still have room to grow and improve, it's not because we're broken or imperfect in any way. You are amazing. And uh, your presence today has been deeply palpable. And I just appreciate that. I appreciate you being here um, and owning this space and being uh, a conduit for joy, but also for the the depth of wisdom in understanding all of the different emotions that we all experience in life. So I just want to acknowledge you for that, Jerry. Thank you so much again for being on Elevate. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? No, just thank you. Uh, Thank you for seeing me. Um, I appreciate all the kind words. Um, it, uh, it's a labor of love for me. You're exactly where you need to be. I know that is for sure. You are doing what you are built to do. And that is a, it's a beautiful thing to see. Jerry Colonna, uh, where can the listeners find you and uh, learn more about you? I guess the best thing would be to go to reboot.io. .io, not .com. Uh, that is a company website, and we've got a bunch of coaches. And, and But more importantly, we've got a whole bunch of free resources, including um, you know courses on listening, courses on rebooting your year. But uh, we also have a boot camp coming up, our first in-person boot camp experience in two and a half years. So yay. Uh, and, uh, that'll be in April. So all that's on the website. Awesome. We'll put a link in the show notes as to where the listeners can find reboot.io. Of course, if you just want to type it in your browser, you can do that as well, but also go check out Jerry on the reboot podcast. We'll put a link there as well, where you can find the podcast. If you're listening to podcasts, you might as well just go hop over, check that out as well. Uh, Jerry until next time, my friend, thank you so much again. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. Elevate nation. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like we just went on a journey and, um, I just want to thank Jerry for, for helping me clarify some of my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings, my, my own introspection, uh, my own radical self inquiry, my own path of growing up. And I hope that you are also reflecting that for yourself as well right now. No matter what emotions you're feeling, there's a purpose, right? There's a purpose for that. And there's a clue. There's a story. There's foundation to that. And so we've got to look within. We can't hide from that. We can't look somewhere else because if we leave these negative emotions, then they get stronger and they take more power. And so the question is, where did they come from? What questions do you need to ask yourself? How am I complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? Could you ask yourself that question? I know I could, I know I can, and I know I will, right? What are some other powerful questions that you can ask yourself? I mean, it's just an amazing experience here to be able to sit with Jerry. I think it's powerful for us to, you know, downshift a little bit 
um, in many ways as, as high performers or people that would like to describe ourselves uh, ourselves as high performers, you know, ask yourself, where does that come from? And why do we want to be high performers? Why do we want to create more in our real estate empire or in our cash flow or options like I described earlier? Why is it that I want more options? And I think that's it's beautiful to to really dig into that and, and explore what are our own superpowers and how might we be holding ourselves back by just stacking busyness or productivity or optimization on top of more busyness and productivity and optimization. We got a downshift. This has been a powerful conversation. I, I hope you can you can tell that I, I've appreciated this. I've appreciated you listening. I want to encourage you to re-listen to this show. And I want to encourage you to reflect into your own journey, into your own path. How does this relate to you? What questions do you need to ask yourself? What exploration, radical self-inquiry do you need to do yourself? Lead a life examined. Make that conscious choice to grow by taking time to turn inward. The other thing that um, that Jerry shared with me is, um, you know, being a great leader is taking your seat and being completely open to anything that crosses your path. Taking your seat leads to equanimity. And so being willing to just be, just live, face another day, face another moment, and recognize that you are perfect the way you are, right? That's amazing. This is a game changer. This is... Uh, this is a game changer. If you want to live a life fulfilled, this episode is for you. And so I want to encourage you to re-listen to this podcast. I want to encourage you to share this with a friend, pay this forward. Like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, pay the fee. Uh, it's 100% free. The only thing we ask is that you share this with someone else. And I also want to encourage you to identify what are your top one, two, or three takeaways from this episode. I want to encourage you to jot those down and discuss those with someone else. And most importantly, take massive action. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.